Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, discovering how to really live in the promises of God. Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Christ is the big picture. Christ is what you've got to realize. Christ is who you've got to depend on. Christ is you got to be your source for your strength, not only for believing in Him, but actually the power to operate and function in your life on a daily basis. There's an old hymn that perhaps many of you remember. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. I don't know if 1 Peter chapter 2 was the inspiration for that song, but it certainly could be. Although Peter refers to Christ as the cornerstone, not the rock, the application is still the same. You can build your life on Jesus Christ. Once you have tasted the sweet spirit of God in your life, once you have partaken of the amazing grace of God, it ought to become more than just a song that you sing and you crave God's word in your life. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. As we continue our series Building on the Basics, we're in 1 Peter chapter 2, looking at the source of our hope, Jesus Christ. As Pastor Clay walks us through verses 1 through 12 today, we're going to discover that it all comes down to Jesus Christ. Ultimately, Christ is the big picture. And I can find hope just in that idea. Those who come by faith to Jesus Christ find a cornerstone in which their life can be built. But as we'll see today, for some, Jesus Christ is a stumbling block. For those of us who have given our lives to Christ, however, Peter reminds us of how special we are in the eyes of God and how that makes all the difference in the world when it comes to living our lives. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Clay. Peter, chapter 2, verse 1. Are you ready? All right, I'm, I'm pumping you all up because this is, this is good stuff. I'm reading uh, 1 through 12, and then we're going to break it down as we often do here at Cross Culture Church. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect To salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And coming to him as a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, meaning the the, the Jewish leaders when Christ came, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. And to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. 
You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers, remember that from last week, to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of his visitation. You pray with me this morning, Father. Uh, this is uh, an amazing passage of Scripture. Now think about this, uh, truly, who was a, a simple, oftentimes hot-headed, um, perhaps a bit arrogant, impetuous fisherman who was saved by your amazing grace and transformed by the power of the gospel. And then writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he penned uh, what is a magnificently beautiful description of who we are in Christ Jesus and who he is as our sovereign Lord and Savior. Today, as we look to find hope for our lives, I'm mindful of what's gone on uh, just over the last couple of days in Paris. So many people killed, so many people stepped out into eternity. How many of them knew Christ as their Savior? We mourn their loss and we think of the horrendous acts of these terrorists who are, in my opinion, cowards. But how much do we think about the spiritual condition of those people who died and where they will spend eternity? It's not about the fact that they, were, they were, didn't deserve to be killed at the hands of, of monstrous people. But did they have a relationship with you? And, and it just, again, it was just crazier and crazier the times in which we live. And we, we need to be reminded of the hope that we have in you. So today, for every mother in this room, every father in this room, every single person, every married couple, every uh, child, every teenager, every uh, adult, uh, every person, may we uh, grab a hold of, of what can seem like a lot to take in. Uh, and may we find hope in the reality of what we find here in Peter's letter. And I ask this in the magnificent name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. It's a lot to take in. We're going to try and break it down in the time that we have. Uh, but I want to start really with a very simple idea. Uh, I want to give you a BP squared, a big picture biblical principle to start with this morning. And it looks like this. Christ is the big picture. That, that in all of this, and as I said, there's a lot, and we're going to break it down, and we're going to look at some of this, but if you just, just, just hold on to that idea, just keeping in mind that ultimately in my life, in this creation, in the world, in, the, in, in history, and in the future, in all that's going on and that will go on, ultimately Christ is the big picture. And I can find hope just in that idea, and just remembering, hey, as, as y'all said a minute ago, y'all repeat, I said God is good, and several of y'all said all the time. It's that idea that, that, that not all the time is good, not all the events are good, but Christ is the big picture. He is the central element of our lives. Watch how this unfolds. Let's start with this uh, idea this morning as we break it apart. There is spiritual nourishment from Christ. We start out by finding spiritual nourishment from Christ in, in those opening uh, verses there. Now, I want you to keep this in mind. 
most of you probably know this, but uh, some of you maybe just have never thought about it. But originally, when the, when the Bible was written, and t- t- take for instance uh, Peter, the book of First P- Peter, and even in, in, in my uh, Bible here, it even says uh, the first letter of Peter. Uh, remember, this was just a letter. Many of the books were just letters or, or written uh, to someone or to a church or something like that. And so the original manuscripts, if you will, didn't have verse and chapter notations like we have today, right? You've probably figured that out. It was a letter. It was written as a letter. Chapter divisions and verse divisions were added later uh, to make it easier for us to read, to kind of put thoughts together and compartmentalize and that kind of thing. So, so chapter headings and verse headings were added later to make it easier for us to read. And, and I think it does that. I think it helps us to understand it better. But sometimes we miss the idea that it was just a letter. And so we sometimes can miss, in, for instance, in this case, when chapter one ends and, and it flows right into chapter two, because it's a chapter break, because we tend to break it apart, whether it's at home reading or whether someone preaching, we tend to break it into chunks like that. We sometimes can miss the connection between some of these thoughts. So I want to give it to you this morning. Last week uh, in chapter one, Peter uh, had, had this idea. He was drawing this distinction. He kept drawing this distinction, this separation between uh, temporal, right? Between whatever, all of us and whatever this and whatever we have and whatever the world has, temporal. He's drawing the distinction between temporal and eternal, what, what, what lasts, what is forever, and all that kind of stuff. And he, and he does that several times in chapter 1. He's going to do it again here in chapter 2. That's, that's where our hope is, is found, right? So he comes to the end of chapter 1, and in verse 25, he says this. He says, but the word of the Lord, after he said everything he says, and you can go back and read it if you weren't here, but the word of the Lord abides, say that word, forever. But the word of the Lord abides forever, and this is the word which was, say that next word, preached, proclaimed, doesn't necessarily mean a guy in a tie standing up here, but uh, it, it was proclaimed that it was, this, it was this word that abides forever. It was this word which was preached to you, end of chapter one. And so then chapter two opens with, so because of the word which was preached to you that abides forever, so get rid of, and, and we're going to Peter's going to come back to this idea, hopefully before we run out of time this morning. So get rid of every kind of evil, every kind of deception, hypocrisy, jealousy, every kind of slander. Watch this. Desire God's pure word as newborn babes. In other words, in the same way that newborn babies desire milk. Any of y'all ever been around a newborn baby that was hungry? They will let you know. Yeah, I just thought of something. Wouldn't it be awesome if believers acted that way in churches that didn't preach the word? If they just all of a sudden just, just broke out, wah, wah, wah. I, I don't know, that just strikes me as funny. I don't, I don't know. Desire God's pure word as newborn babies desire milk. Watch this. Then you will grow in your, say it, salvation. You'll grow in your salvation. Certainly you have tasted that the Lord is good. That last sentence in particular, uh, I tend to lean towards the understanding that it's kind of, a, I think it's tended to kind of be a rhetorical uh, question, which kind of how the New American Standard puts it, if you have tasted, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. In other words, man, if you have experienced the grace of God in your life, if you have tasted this new life that comes as a relationship with Jesus Christ, 
If this is real, if this is something that's actually happened in your life, if it's authentic, then man, you ought to crave, you ought to thirst for the word of God in the same way that a, that a newborn baby craves and desires and must have the word of God or the milk, of God, the milk in their life in order to get nourishment into their body. Peter says in the exact same way, your body needs nourishment so that you can grow in your salvation. And if you don't feed on the word of God, then you're, not, then you're in essence, malnourished. You have to crave. You have to desire it. Uh, one of, we have many, but one of uh, Cindy and my uh, favorite restaurants is the Cheesecake Factory. Well, we don't go there that often. It's a little, little higher priced. We go there a couple times, two or three times a year. But it's one, but it's one of our favorite uh, restaurants. Now, it, it, one of the things about the Cheesecake Factory, when you go there and you sit down, uh, they, uh, they come over and they put this book in front of you. You know what I'm saying? Those of y'all that have been there, the menu, it's, I mean, it's like a book. It's like a book. It, the thing looks like, uh, uh, looks like the old uh, Sears Christmas catalogs uh, that some of us grew up with when we were kids. Some of y'all remember the, those things? The, now, now, for you younger generations, the Sears Christmas catalog was how some of us used to Christmas shop before the internet. I, before the internet? How barbaric. I know, it was rough. But so anyway, they put this book down in front of you. Now, even though I always look through it, I always look through it, I never have to because I always order the same thing every single time I go to Cheesecake Factory. Sweet tamale corn cakes. Amen. Amen. We just might as well break out in revival right here. It's the sweet tamale corn cakes from Cheesecake Factory. They are absolutely delicious. And, and, and you know, so why do I order the same thing every time? Because I've tasted them. And once you taste them, you just got to have them again. You just crave. You just say, I got to have me some sweet tamale corn cakes from Cheesecake Factory. Now, listen, I know, I know. Some of y'all could go to Cheesecake Factory and try them, or maybe you already have. You could go to Cheesecake Factory and try them, and you can say, what's the big deal? Corn, <laughs> some sour cream, avocado, or whatever, whatever was in them. What's the big deal? I, I understand taste buds can vary. I know that. I, I understand how that works. But listen to me. Once you have tasted the sweet spirit of God in your life, once you have partaken of the amazing grace of God, it ought to become more than just a song that you sing. That It's a soul that has been saved and you crave God's word in your life, this desire that you have for God's word. I, I grew up in church. Some of y'all know I, I grew up in, in church for the most part, uh, at least in my, in my uh, preteen years. And I could tell you some of the stories from the Bible, I'm sure. And if you had, if you had asked me back then, do you believe in the Bible? Do you believe the Bible is true? I'm confident I would have said, well, sure. But I didn't care. I, I didn't I didn't care. I certainly didn't live like I believed it. Certainly when I got into my teenage years, I didn't live like I believed it. But in my mid-twenties, God got a hold of my life. And I tasted, for the first time really, tasted that the Lord is good. He redeemed me. He saved me. He bought me back out of my own depravity, my own sin. And I, I, 
I can't explain it. I can't tell you how it happened or I, 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 I can't. I can just tell you that I acquired this taste for the word of God. I wanted the word of God in my life. And something happened as a result of that. As a result of this craving, this desire that I had for the word of God, I began to grow up. I began to mature as a believer in Christ Jesus as a result of nourishing on the word of God. There is nourishment in Christ. Now, the question might be asked, how do I, how do I develop a taste for the word of God? How do I... Uh, crave the word of God. Because some of you probably say, well, it's just, it's just kind of boring to me. Or, or I, don't, I read it and I don't understand it or whatever. So, so if, if Peter's saying, listen, your nourishment, there's where your nourishment is found, the word of God, it's in there. That's where you can find your nourishment. And, and, and if you say, well, I want to grow I guess you have to answer this question, but do you want to grow up in Christ Jesus? Do you want to, by the way, that's not, you don't reach a level and say, yep, I'm there. We're, we're growing all the time. We're growing. One of the amazing things about the power of God and the Word of God is that is that it's never. It just continues to grow and mature. And my prayer would be that every single person in this room or listening or watching this message would say, "I do. I really want to grow up in Christ Jesus." Well, Peter's saying right here, you got you got to crave, desire the the Word of God the way a baby craves and desires milk. So you might ask. Uh, how do I acquire a taste for the Word of God? You got to try it. You got to try it. I have these chips here. My neighbor, my neighbor uh, has uh, her mom send these down, Linda, from Canada. These are Canadian chips. I don't know how they got through. <laughs> these, are, these are Canadian chips. And, and they taste just like a dill pickle. And I love them. Now, someone much wiser than me might ask, well, if you want the taste of a dill pickle, why don't you just eat a dill pickle instead of a chip that artificially tastes like a dill pickle? I hear you. But that being said, I love these chips. So the other day, Two of my grandsons were over, Wyatt and Dakota were over at the house, and I got these chips out, and uh, they wanted to try my chips. Until I made the mistake of saying they taste just like a dill pickle. And then suddenly, Wyatt would have nothing to do with them. He, he, would he wouldn't even taste it, he wouldn't try it, he wouldn't do anything. And I said, well, listen, how do you know? How do you know you won't like it if you don't try it? You've got to at least try it. Try it, you'll like it. But he wouldn't. Now, if you knew Wyatt, you know that's not unusual for Wyatt uh, to not try things. But the simple matter is, folks, you got to try it. You, you got to, you've got to set time aside. And listen, I know, I know you're busy. And some of y'all right now, as I say, that are saying, yeah, no, you don't. You get to sit up in your, in your office and read the Bible all day. Yes, and thank you very much for allowing me to do that. But that's, I didn't used to do that. I mean, before I was in... You understand what I'm saying? I'm just saying, if Peter says that that's how you grow, and if Peter says you've got to crave it and desire it the same way you would, uh, the same way a baby would, would crave milk, then the only thing you can do is try, you've got to dig in. You've got to say, all right, I'm doing it. 
New Year is coming up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set 30 minutes aside, five days a week, and I'm going to plunge into the Word of God. If you try it. And, and I really believe this because I believe I, I, I'm, I'm not just a salesperson, folks. I am a satisfied customer. And I really believe, who make the best salesmen, by the way, but I really believe that if you will try, if you will, if you will set that time aside and say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it every day, that as you begin to experience God's power in your life, and that's what you will do, as you begin to experience his, his peace in what, what's normally a stressful situation, as you begin to experience his power in a, in a, at a time when you might normally feel weak, as you begin to experience what comes from the word of God, because said some of y'all in, in counseling sessions with me, if you've ever come to me for counseling, I know, meet Mr. Broken Record. Here I am, because I got, I got one answer right here. It's the Word of God. Now, I know it's a practical thing. Sometimes you add, but, but this is it right here. This is it. And as you do that, as you experience it, you, you begin to develop a taste for it. And you begin to say, wow, man, I, 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 something's come up. I'm I, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't fed on the Word of God for a couple of days. There, that, you understand what I'm saying? That, that's what happens. That's what you've got to do. You have to crave the Word of God, if you want to grow up in your relationship with Christ Jesus. So there is spiritual nourishment. It's found in Christ, the living Word, who has given us the written Word, okay? Wow, took a long time for me to explain that one. Let's go on. Uh, Second, there is a spiritual home built on Christ. All right, now watch this. There's a spiritual home built on Christ. Y'all with me? All right, and coming to him meaning to Christ, and coming to him as to a living stone. That's what, that's what he is. He's a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe. Peter switches his metaphors here from a, from a, a growing baby to a growing building or, or a growing house. In one sense, he's kind of saying the same thing. He's just saying it in a different way. It's still always coming back to Christ. Christ is the big picture. Christ is what you've got to realize. Christ is who you've got to depend on. Christ is you've got to be your source for your strength, not only for, what, for, for believing in him, for salvation, but actually the power to operate and function in your life on a daily basis. And Peter uh, quotes from uh, Isaiah, I think it's chapter 28, verse 16, somewhere in there. Isaiah chapter uh, 28, he Peter quotes from that, a, a passage, by the way, if you're not familiar, that was written 700 years before Jesus was even born. Get your mind around that. Uh, that's, that's double the age of our country. 700 years before Jesus was even born, Isaiah prophesied about this one, and he is referred to as a cornerstone. Did you see that? We did you hear that as we read it. He's a cornerstone. Now, we know today virtually every uh, home or building, at least in an in industrialized world, is built primarily with a poured concrete foundation, right? Don't ask me anything complicated about that because I've given you about the extent of my building knowledge. But it's, uh, there's a poured concrete foundation. But for m- 
Most of the world, throughout most of history, that's not how a foundation was built. A foundation was built on stones. Now, if it's a rustic cabin out in the woods, you, they might just gather stones out of a, out of a riverbed. But when it, when it, if it, a more uh, advanced uh, group of people or in a, in a more populated area, stones would be cut out of a quarry and they would be used. And the cornerstone, as you can probably surmise, the cornerstone became the vital uh, part of the foundation. It was crucial that everything came off of the cornerstone. The cornerstone had to be solid or everything else wouldn't matter. And listen, here's what happened. You could build the, the grandest building, the, the greatest, biggest home, you could build it all. But if it, if it wasn't built on the cornerstone, if the cornerstone wasn't right, if this cornerstone uh, wasn't what it was supposed to be, count on it, mark it down, sooner or later, it's going to crumble. In storms, in high winds, given enough time, if it's not built on the cornerstone, it will crumble. Wow, I don't even have to make application for that, do I, for our lives. But then he says, he said, not only is he the cornerstone, but then he's also referred to as the living stone. Would y'all say that word with me? Living stone. He's the living stone. See, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The Jewish leaders and Satan... They, they thought if, if we can kill him, we can put an end to this stuff once and for all. Boy, did they get that one wrong. They, they really didn't understand, did they? They really did not understand. Think about the irony of this. Satan, who would desire to keep any person from a relationship with the living God, by putting Jesus to death, actually opened the door so that all of us could have a relationship with him. He is the living stone. You see, we don't, we don't worship uh, idols made of stone or wood as much of the world does. We don't worship our ancestors who are in the ground as much of the world does. We don't worship fame or fortune or, or uh, possessions or things as much of the world does. We worship a living God. He is the living stone. Now, if there's not hope in that, I don't know where you're going to find hope. He is the living stone, and that is what our faith is, is built on. It is, a, it is a live faith, not on some religious leader who died, you know, a couple millennia ago or 200 years ago or anything else like that, but it's built on the cornerstone who's the living stone, Jesus Christ. And then Peter goes on, not only is he the cornerstone and the living stone, but because he is the cornerstone and because he is the living stone, he says, we also, uh, as living stones, are being built up. That's those of us who placed our faith in Christ. We are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So... Those of us who've come to faith in Jesus Christ are then, we are now living stones being built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. You are made alive in Christ Jesus. See, we were dead in our trespasses and, and sins. We, we were aliens, alienated from God. We were all of these things. But because of what Christ has done, we are now living. We now have life. We now have hope. Look, uh, look at a few passages of Scripture, Romans uh, chapter 6. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Watch this, this connection that keeps being drawn between 
death and, and life. Romans 8, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of de- sin. In other words, uh, the, your mortal body is going to decay, the sin curse, all that kind of stuff. And you are separated from God because that yet the spirit is, say it, alive because of righteousness, because of God's righteousness. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ, all those who, who are in Christ, All will be made, say it, alive. One more, a little bit more lengthy. Ephesians chapter 2. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? So that in the ages to come, throughout all of eternity... He might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I I love that verse because it doesn't tell me a lot about eternity. It doesn't tell me a lot about heaven except that that throughout all of eternity, God is going to be lavishing his love on us and displaying his his love toward us in a way. I don't don't know how it'll be. I don't know what it'll look like. I don't know what all that means, but it's going to be awesome. We are living stones. And there's, listen, if, if you're, there's a sense that, that we collectively then are this house being built up, that the house of God, in a sense, is being built up. As, and, and there's a connectedness there with each of us and how we come together with all, all of our quirks and all of our weird stuff and all of our good stuff and all of our talents and all of our uh, skills and abilities and experiences. It all comes together and we're being built up into this, this spiritual house. Uh, and then Peter says this. That, we're being, that we are also a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. In the Old Testament, the priesthood, a priest would have to kill an animal uh, to cover his sins and the sins of the people. The priest had to, to do that. That was his responsibility. And, and they would have to kill an animal and, that, and the blood of that animal would cover their sins. It never took any, any sins away, by the way. I want you to understand, you need to understand this. Old Testament people were saved the same way you are, Old Testament people that believe. It, it, it didn't take away their sins, it covered their sins until the one would come, Jesus Christ, who, John chapter 1, what does it say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away, doesn't just cover, takes away the sin of the world. So we are this holy priesthood being built up, this holy house, the spiritual house of God. And so the question could be asked, okay, what is a spiritual sacrifice? If I'm the priest and I offer these, these sacrifices, so to speak. In other words, Jesus, our great high priest, Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 9, our great high priest offered up himself as our sacrifice. If we now are part of this holy priesthood, What does our sacrifice look like? Peter says it's living. Why? Because our God is living and we are living. And so our sacrifice should be living. Is that too much? Are you with me? So, listen, Paul, it's amazing how Paul and Peter are on the same page so often, isn't it? Hebrews chapter 12, uh, Romans chapter 12, excuse me. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. There it is. We're coming back to the idea that Peter started this chapter with and, and that we're going to close out verse uh, 12 in just a moment. As you give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you, let them be a living, get that? And holy sacrifice. 
the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. See, is a new, now, now I crave God. Now I crave God's word. Now I, then you'll learn to know God's will for you. What is he the same thing as Peter? Growing up in your salvation, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's hope. That's who we are in Christ Jesus. And we offer our bodies to him as a living sacrifice. I didn't get nearly as far in this as I planned to get today. And I, I need, it's just, there's just too much still to say for the remaining parts. But we can find hope in the fact that not only has God redeemed us, not only has he been the cornerstone on which we can build our lives. By the way, and, and believe me, I've tried it earlier in my life. If you, try and, if you can try and build your house on anything other than Christ, it, it will crumble. Now listen, you don't have to believe me. And I know there's probably even people who are watching this or maybe sitting out here and say, but I, I'm telling you, it, it will crumble sooner or later. I can promise you, I, I've seen it. I've seen it in enough people's lives. I've seen it enough countless times. I've seen it in the mess that the world is. If, you're fa- if, you're, if your house, if your home, if your life is built on anything other than Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, the living stone, it's only a matter of time. It eventually will crumble. Given enough storms, given enough pressure, given enough hard winds blowing in your life, it will crumble. And, and someday, Peter's alluded to this a couple different times, someday when you stand before God, or attempt to stand before God on whatever foundation you have built, the foundation of your good works, the foundation of what you achieved in life, the foundation of notoriety, the foundation of money, or the foundation of how good a family you raised, or the foundation, whatever foundation you attempt to stand on someday, when you stand before God, listen to me, it will crumble under the justice and judgment of God because there is only one foundation. And his name is is Jesus Christ. I know that the world, and we'll talk about this next week. The next part was where Peter gets in, but those who do not believe, he becomes a stumbling block, a rock of offense. We're going to talk about that in the world in which we live. But the only question for you to answer today in your own mind is just, man, have I, have I made Christ my cornerstone? As you evaluate your own life, oh yeah, I, I believe he died. Have you made him your cornerstone? The living stone, the cornerstone, of your life, your house, your home. As we've heard today, it all comes down to Jesus Christ. Sadly, some people refuse to believe who Jesus Christ is and what he can do for them. They reject God's truth. Their rejection is the pathway to their own doom and destruction. Those of us who have come to Christ have a different destination. What a joy it is to know that we have been called out of the darkness into his marvelous light. We can certainly find hope in who we are in Christ Jesus. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? 
getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross-Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. Cross-Culture Church. I'm not the water. I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.